0: Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, the fanking, the banking! the fanking, the banking! the banking! undisputed, universal heavyweight champion. Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, Wildcats? This is the Saul Bookman Show, live from the Vivid Seats studio. Man, I'm so excited to be a part of Wildcat Radio, the newly rebranded Wildcat Radio 2.0. Man, alive. I have so many people to thank. Thank you to Bryant and the rest of the Wildcat Radio crew for welcoming me in to this new podcast. And thank you to everybody out there on uh, social media for reaching out to me and congratulating me on uh, this new endeavor That uh, I'm venturing out on So let's get started by First of all, I need to explain something to everybody out there And I think it's always important to find out What the origins are of your U of A fandom So I'm going to tell you mine I used to live in a small, small city town Called Cordes Junction, Arizona You guys might know it It's that last stop before you turn off to Prescott Or on your way up to Flagstaff And uh, back in 1987, 88-ish My mom uh, took me to Walmart And I walked into Walmart, there was two racks of coats, it was freezing cold outside, and there was a rack of ASU coats, and there was a rack of U of A coats. I decided, you know what, I want an ASU coat, because all my friends are ASU fans. And uh, so my mom, bless her heart, Christmas Day, she gives me a gift, and I open it up, and it's a U of A jacket. And at the time, I was so distraught. But it was freezing outside, So the following school day, I wear my jacket to the school bus stop, I get on the bus, and immediately, everybody turns against me. In typical ASU, Sun Devil fashion, they all turned on the U of A guy, and from that point on, I decided to own it, and here I am. It's been a beautiful, beautiful next 32 years, a national championship in 97, and many, many other great memories. I finally got my bachelor's and master's degree from my beloved school. So I believe red and blue just like the rest of you. And I am so excited to get this started. So let's hit the field. Oh, that ball's on the ground. That is a free- Tucson, Arizona had a great opportunity to make a statement in the Pac 12, make a statement to this fan base, and uh, more importantly, make a statement to themselves that they were able to compete with a, uh, a hot, uh, an upper tier team such as Washington. Uh, a, a team in Washington that's not as good as it has been in the past, but is still a solid and fundamental team. And you can't make mistakes against them. And it was clear the separation in the two football squads who was the more fundamental more solid uh, and maybe you could even say more talented overall as the huskies just dominated this game and you know it, it started right off the bat you know arizona just looked like they were unprepared especially special teams wise uh, offensively they were sluggish uh, but you know you know you, you can get over a sluggish start but getting a punt blocked and then muffing a punt return and it just it just was not a good start for Arizona but despite that they were able to come back and really establish themselves and they had the lead going into halftime and you think maybe the worst is behind them and this could be something that where they can springboard forward that was not the case in the second half it just got worse and Arizona we're going to break this down. Offensively, they just did not look like they had a good game plan at all. The The offensive line, let's start with the offensive line. They weren't able to really stop the UW rush at all. Uh, they weren't able to stem the tide at all. Um, there was a lot of pressure coming up the middle. Khalil Tate was not handling that at all. And uh, and that was kind of the beginning of the end, so to speak. I'm not going to put the entire thing on Khalil Tate in this game, but Khalil Tate was a, a very large part of this failure by this U of A squad. We'll get to him in a moment. When we, when we look at the second half, the defense couldn't get a stop. Four of five drives to start the second half, UW scored a touchdown. 28-3 to three by the time we hit the nine-minute mark of the fourth quarter. You, you just, that just cannot happen. That just cannot happen. 38 points in total in the second half. It was 17 to 13 going into the half. The final score, UW had 51 points. Are you kidding me? That's that's unacceptable at every single level. The run game wasn't as effective as you'd like. There were some flashes. JJ Taylor had a couple nice runs. Nathan Tilford came off the bench and had a couple nice runs. Um, I thought Nathan Tilport actually provided a spark when the, the Wildcats needed it most. It just, unfortunately for them, uh, you know, they, it seemed like there was a moment right there where Arizona was going to stay in this ball game, and they started to develop some momentum on the offensive side of the ball. And then that unfortunate MJ PC injury for UW, it, you know, inadvertently um, stopped the momentum for Arizona, and when they came back, they had a series of bad plays and uh, had to settle for a field goal. And that was the only three points that Arizona would have for a while. And that's where I think this game really, really turned on its head. Because at that point, uh, U- UW was up by 10 points. They scored a touchdown. Arizona's only down by three. And we're talking about maybe a different ball game. But instead, they settled for three. And UW just continued to score touchdowns. And you just can't do that against a really solid team like that. You just can't. And you also can't turn the ball over four times. I said earlier this week at the press conference it was going to come down to really three things: um, turnovers, right, and, and you know penalties, um, and 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 really and special teams, right. So you can't play a team of that caliber and uh, turn the ball turn it over that many times, have a punt blocked, and all the things that happened in the first half. Um, and to still be ahead was really, um, I mean, based on that, was a miracle, right? Um, our defense held up and kept them, because we gave them short fields in the first half and kept them the field goals, but um, we, st- we couldn't respond in the second half. And, then, and uh, you know, still the turnovers, you just can't play anybody and turn it over that many times and expect to be in a competitive game. Four times. And, you know, usually when we're talking about turnovers, and especially that many turnovers, we're not talking about fumbles. But this team had three fumbles on the night. Khalil Tate had one of the most egregious fumbles of all time, uh, just simply throwing the ball backwards and giving the Huskies a free touchdown. Uh, you, You know, you just, when it comes to Khalil Tate, you know, I know you have to take the good with the bad. But his good is so good, and his bad is so bad. What do you do with him? What do you do with him at this point? Do you continue to play him? You know, Does this team really have the confidence in him that he's going to show up each and every day? Because you really can't tell. If he can't run, and yesterday for whatever reason he looked like he was really hesitant on running, then he's largely ineffective because he doesn't have the greatest of accuracy. He's not the best thrower. Uh, he's got plenty of arm strength, but he just doesn't have that innate quarterback ability to sit in the pocket and pick you apart. He just doesn't. He never has. Every time he dropped back, seemingly, he would reverse field and go wide right or wide left, and and he would get into trouble. And that happened over and over and over again. There was several times where he could have stepped up in the pocket and he could have you know made a throw, but instead he ran into the defense. So it's a it's a combination of the offensive line not doing their job and getting blown up at the at the point of attack and Khalil Tate not really recognizing where the weakness in the defense is, especially when it comes to his offensive line and the defensive line pressure. The blitz schemes that the the, that the Huskies were running, Um, they came with various safety blitzes, which Kevin Sumlin said they did not see on tape. Um, And, you know, they surprised Arizona, but. Still, you have to make adjustments, you have to move on, and I do not believe the Wildcats were able to do that at all. You no, know, I think it was a you know a great message for us, you know, just to wake us up and you know, like a little reality check, you know, just to remind us that you know, we have to play all four quarters every game. You know, we can't take any games off or any quarters off, so we've gotta be better as a whole. You know, I think we'll do do a lot better next week. I will say this. I think one of the things that concerns me the most about this team um, is the leadership portion of it. And I think defensively, they've, they've got some leaders. They've got some guys that want to step up. Offensively, Khalil Tate's supposed to be that leader. And in, a, in his postgame comments, something really struck a nerve with me. And it is when he said that this was kind of a reality check, uh, you know, a wake-up call for this team. Uh, you know, they, they can't just show up and play and expect to win. We all realize the magnitude of this game. I don't think this was considered, you know, uh, one of those games where, you know, it's an upset alert. You know, Arizona wasn't the favorite. They they just weren't. So I don't understand how you could think that this is a reality check or a wake-up call. That That tells me that you guys didn't come in prepared. That tells me that you had a different... Impression of where you are at as a program instead of the reality of where you're at. And that is just not acceptable. You know, this reality check, you know, the, a lot of these players, sometimes they they use these buzzwords and, you know, and they, they think, you know, if I say this, I say that, you know, I'll get the media off my back and then we'll move on to the next thing. And that's, that's all well and good. But sometimes I just want to hear you keep it real. And, you know, Khalil Tate, he He needs to own this loss because it's large in large part because of him you know it, he made a lot of bad decisions out there you know and there's there's plenty of blame to go around all the way around from top to bottom Coach someone says that they got they got out coached they got outplayed and that was clearly visible on the field at the, at what point do we stop letting this just kind of slide by you know, and I think as a fan base, I think we're all frustrated i think there's plenty of people out there that would love for U of A to be a dominant program. And they are very frustrated that they are not, you know, you look up the road at ASU and it seems like they maybe they're on the the right path. And, you know, they've had some big wins, you know, Michigan state on the road, Cal on the road, you know, and they just beat Washington state at home uh, in a thrilling victory And and that's kind of where I'm I'm going to take this with Khalil Tate as a senior, as a man who is supposed to be the leader of this team. This is his fourth year now at the University of Arizona. Are we ever going to see the leadership qualities in Khalil Tate that we need to see? When you have a kid up the road who's a freshman and a couple weeks ago he was faced with a he was put in the position to beat Colorado in the fourth quarter and he made some mistakes and. And they fell apart and they lost. That was their first conference loss up at ASU. And then you passboard forward to this past weekend, and he's put in the same position. Under two minutes left to go, they have the ball, chance to win the game, and he drives his team down the field and he wins. And this is a freshman. And you can see that those players on that team truly truly buy in to the hype of Jaden Daniels and I'm not saying Jaden Daniels is going to be all that or anything like that but I was, I'll say this right now he's got that team believing in his abilities and I don't know how many U of A players would say that they are 100% confident about Khalil Tate on a you know trusting the fact that he's going to show up every single game I, I'm not sure how many guys you would say that behind closed doors in front of us and in front of the media they're going to say you know they're always going to give their support but How many of them truly believe that when, you know, us as a fan base, we can't trust that, you know, and again, I don't care what you do in practice. I don't care how great of a person you are off the field. I don't care what you do in the community. Um, We're just talking about football. And the only thing that matters is what you're doing on the field. And what I'm seeing from his abilities and his leadership and the way he You know, carries himself, his body language. I don't know if we're ever going to get the Khalil Tate that we all hoped we would get. Regardless of how frustrated you may be, just understand that, you know, things could always change. And with this team, they seemingly always do. So if you decide that you're going to want to go on the road and maybe watch the Wildcats down in Los Angeles as they take on USC, or if you want to watch them in Stanford, or if you're going to wait for them to even come back home against Oregon State, Download the Vivid Seats app, and you can use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases for first-time customers only. Pretty good deal. So, uh, you know, we have a lot of hope. And speaking of hope, one of those teams that gives us hope every single year is our beloved U of a men's basketball team. So what's good on the wood? the shoot work like your nursery <laughs> Small cars UVA men's basketball team had pac 12 media day last week. A lot of storylines obviously with this new team. I think the number 1 storyline is how good is Nico Mannion going to be? Will he be the next great U of A point guard? I think that's the the major major thought on just about everybody's mind. But there are other storylines. Let's start with Nico. The kid is uber talented. He's got athleticism. He can shoot. He seems like he has a a, a very high basketball IQ. I've seen him uh, both in person in high school up here at Pinnacle and his demeanor on the court tells you a lot about the person he is. He's a leader. He seems like he's a leader and that's encouraging. That's an encouraging sign because I think for a, for a while it was leadership by committee. And a lot of those times, because the freshmen were so young on these teams, uh, they just didn't have that leadership quality within them to really take everybody to another level. And I'm hoping that Nico Mannion is going to be that guy the comparisons obviously are natural when it comes to him and Mike Bibby both of them were superstars in the high school level here in Arizona both of them were McDonald's All-Americans but i think the major difference is Nico Mannion is more athletic than Mike Bibby was you know Nico Mannion is is a is a much stronger and 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 physical and athletic kid than Mike Bibby was at the time now we all know Mike Bibby is super yoked up right now but Back in you know when they were eighteen and nineteen years old, that was a completely different story. And I think that's that's a testament to Nico Mannion and, and his work ethic. I also think that Nico Mannion can be one of the true great point guards in U of A history. With that being said, man, I do think that we need to temper expectations just a bit. There's a part of me that maybe I have a little PTSD when it comes to former freshmen that that were highly touted coming in and maybe they just didn't live up to the hype as much as we all hoped they would I'm hoping that Nico doesn't fall into that category I think we build a lot of hype on these kids when they come in but what I saw in the red and blue game what I've seen prior to then uh, gives me a lot of hope for the future but other than Nico at the guard position who is U of A going to go to? Who is U of A going to count on to help out Mannion in the backcourt? You have Baker, who may or may not be eligible. You have Dylan Smith. You have Max Hazard, uh, and obviously, there's no Brandon Williams this year because of a knee injury. Man, there's a there's a lot of question marks with that backcourt. You know, we know what we're going to get with Dylan Smith. We're not going to get anything too, uh, you know, outside of uh his realm of possibility he's gonna give you maybe 10 points a game he's gonna play hard he's gonna make some boneheaded mistakes we all know this uh, but he's a he's a he's a decent defender out there and he can do his part to at least stem the tide out there on the court especially as a senior he's got a lot of leadership qualities now being the old head on the squad. Baker's the one that I am really intrigued by and let's hope that he can become eligible. We all know how the NCAA is with these matters. They can take a few weeks. They can take a few years. (laughs) And right now, with the tenuous situation with U of A and the NCAA, who knows what's going to happen. But if Baker is eligible, man, that is a dynamic backcourt. Probably, I would say, one of the best backcourts in the country to, to tag him along with Mannion. It's going to be an amazing amazing backcourt. You know, Baker reminds me a lot of, he's got a little Lions in him, a little Mark Lions in him. He's got a little Kevin Perham, it seems like. Uh, but in addition to that, he's also, he also seems like he's got a little bit of, you know, some leadership within him. And uh, he's he's a bulldog, it seems like. So I'm excited for him. And the, the guy that I'm probably most high on is Devonair Dutrieve. He, man, in that red-blue game, it looked like all of a sudden, he, he went from a three- or four-star prospect to a lockdown five-star prospect and a guy that could probably you know help win you some games. He did so last year. Remember Oregon State? This year, man, it, 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 if, the, if the jump he makes resembles anything like the jump he made in the Red-Blue game, man, I am very, very much excited about that kid. Hopefully, he's got everything situated within himself. I know he was having some doubts as to whether or not he should stay here or not, but he's here. He came back. I thought that was a smart decision and a very mature decision. I think we need to give him credit for making this smart and and mature decision. I'm not saying smart because he came back to U of A. Smart because he was going to leave because he thought he was going to go to a better situation, and he realized how good he had it at U of A. He came back, and he did what was in the best interest of not only him, but also the team. And the team needs him, he needs the team, and so we move on. Josh Green, I, I think if, if it's not Nico, then you're excited about Josh Green, am I right? Josh Green has got so much athleticism, he's had a couple so, shoulder injuries and surgeries, but he's back, and he, he looks every bit the part of a, of a dynamic player, time will tell, how good he can be, and I always, I will always do this from now till the time this podcast ends. I will always try to temper ex- expectations. I'd rather have my expectations low and the realities shoot high than vice versa. But outside of Josh Green, who else is going to help him? I really, we know what I really is by this point. He is going to give you a lot of energy. He's going to give you some bounce off the bench. He's going to be excited. He's going to play hard. But can I really find that next level, that that calmness within a game that tells you that they can be dominant at any given point in time? I think that's what separates the great players from the good players. Good players, you know, they, they, they give you these bursts, but they, they're not so consistent with it. And you don't ever see them like get into a lather. It just it just seems like you know it's like a burst in you know two or three minutes in in this specific half, you know, five or six games in, and then you don't see it again for a couple games. Whereas a great player will give you that burst maybe once, maybe twice, maybe three times a game. And that's what separates the great from the good. And I wonder if Ira Lee is going to be able to take that step and get to that great status. You know, a lot of U of A players have started off slow. And developed towards the end. And made a big jump. Can I really make that jump? I don't know. Zeke Naji, Don't know what you're going to get from him. Long, athletic. Stone Gettings. Same thing. The transfer. He's going to give you some outside shooting. He's going to be able to give you a body down low. But will any of these guys make a significant impact. To where you have to pay attention to them on the floor. That's I think that's the biggest question mark with this team. Defensively, I think this is, if not the longest, it's one of the longest teams that Sean Miller has ever had here at this school. He is tremendous all the way from top to bottom. The length that this team has is insane. They have length at every single position. Defensively, they should be much, much better. Probably, it's not hard to say that they should be the best team within the last three years because last year's team. Wasn't very good defensively. The year before that, even with DeAndre Aiden, they weren't very good defensively. Uh, the year before that, decent defensively with Larry Markenton in them, but uh, still, it, it's been a while since the TJ McConnell days where this team, where the U of A squad was really dominant defensively. And I'm looking forward to seeing if that can come back uh, to to Sean Miller's you know resume because it's been gone for a while. So you know, a lot of great things to look forward to, and then obviously you have the anchor. With Chase Jeter, man, you know, Chase, again, kind of along that Ira Lee mode where he's gonna play hard for you. He's gonna give you a lot of energy. He's he's a leader out there on the team. He's gonna lead by example. Can he stay healthy, number one? Number two, can he be enough of an offensive threat to really make a difference out there uh, when times are going rough? Can you rely on him down low in the post when you need a bucket? You know, who's gonna be that bucket guy? Is it gonna be Nico? Is it gonna be Josh Green? Is it going to be down low with Chase Jeter? We don't know. Last year, he had his moments. He was good here. He was bad there. A little bit of inconsistency. Solid defensively. But overall, you'd like to see him make a big jump offensively. Because I think that's where he's going to make his biggest impact this season. Man, it's hard to believe it's October already. College season is just heating up, and my bookie has given me more reason to get in on the action. Not only your point spreads and totals, but my bookie offers in-game wagering so you can track the action and movement as the games take place. Game props, playoff odds, Heisman odds, and national championship odds are all available too. And that just scratches the surface. We've teamed up with my bookie this October to give you this great offer. Sign up at mybookie.ag and use promo code OVERTIME, and they will match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME, and new users get their first deposit doubled. mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. And before we go, one last thing that I usually like to do, give you a little nugget. If you haven't been able to get down to the... To the school, to the campus, and take a look at the new thing, new things going on around. Um, you know, I like to try and bring you something to to look out for. And one of those things is the Student Success District, which is it's pretty massive. It's uh, modifications to transform the main library, the Albert B. Weaver Science Engineering Library, Bear Down Gym, and they're also building a new four-story Student Success Building into an interconnected district that will empower generations of students. That's uh, pretty crazy. Outdoor patios and, you know, some, some zen areas along with some walkways that will connect all the buildings together so you don't have to cross the street or go down to the sidewalk, I, I suppose. It just makes it a little easier to get around. Uh, you know, it, these are unique spaces that uh, will be for everything from collaboration to meditation, according to their website, the construction's already started. It's pretty amazing. Uh, this stuff really moves uh, at a quick, quick pace. Uh, in addition to the rest of the campus, if you haven't seen the, you know, the west side of the campus over there by a university and right behind, uh, you know, General Benz and all that, man, there is some massive renovations going on over there, new hotels, new high-rises for student housing. It's uh, pretty crazy. So, This student success district is supposed to be done uh, in 2021. Construction has already begun. And uh, if you've been down to a football game, you can walk right by and see it. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty cool. So that's a a little nugget. I want to thank you all for joining me on the very first episode of the Saul Bookman Show uh, here on Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thanks again to everybody for taking the time to listen. And we'll see you next week.